Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys go ahead and stand with me if you would. Excuse my voice. We've been at youth camp. We've had a great time. If you'll open up your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. That's where we'll begin. And we'll eventually go to Luke chapter 4, but I think I'm going to begin by reading there first. You guys having a good force so far? Yeah, we're in the house of God. What are we going to speak on on July 4th? Pastor, we're going to speak on freedom. <laughs> Amen, right? Yes. Hey, I'm glad while you're here, we're going to have a great time. Amen? Well, I want you guys to respond back to me, and we're just going to be so grateful that our Lord and Savior gave us freedom. And here, as Paul is writing to his friends in Corinth, chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, he says, But when one turns to the Lord, praise the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. The Lord is spirit. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit is or where the uh, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Just clarification. Whenever Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, the seed was placed in her. How many knows that's God, right? Yes. Yes. There are no daddy issues. Jesus knows who his father is. There is no daddy issues there. And when we, with an unfailed face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. But this comes, uh, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, very familiar verse. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. Our hearts are bowed. Speak to us. We love you so much, God. Change us. And everyone says... Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for whatever device you're streaming by for being a part of this. I love it when I get to that part and I say, bow your heads, and then across the congregation, this is what I see. You guys are so, so respectful and honor. I love it so much. As many of you guys did, we celebrated Fourth of July yesterday, and uh, I have a little pool in my house, and I, or uh, not in my house, then I'd have a big house, but I have, I have a pool outside of my house, and uh, and we, were, we were, had the family down. I think there was nine grandchildren there is what my parents had. So they have like 14 or 16, I lose count. But uh, they, have, they had like nine grandchildren there. Then four out of the five of us kids were there with spouses. Um, it was a crazy great time. And I walk out and I see these kiddos, man. They're splashing in the pool and they're playing with pool noodles. And they're shooting each other with water guns. And we're just having a grand old time. And I think to myself, this is what freedom is. It's about looking out and seeing the younger, younger generation have hope, uh, that they don't have to be fearful, that they can have safety. And that's what freedom is to us. And we're grateful for every man and woman, whether you're a first responder, whether you've been in the military, whether w whatever position you hold that helps keep this country safe. As a police officer, we say thank you. Can we just give one more round of applause? Absolutely. And this morning, as we speak, we want to talk about the freedom that we have in Christ, experiencing true freedom. As we were at the party yesterday, we have, those, we have water guns. Now, this is not the water gun that you fill from the top. These are the water guns where you stick down in the water and you pull water and it fills a tube. It was so much fun, right? So I pull it down in the water and I found out, Pastor, it's Scarface too, by the way. It's Scarface. I'm going to quote a second. But I pulled the gun back. And I'm aiming it at these kids, and I say the famous line, say hello to my little friend. You right? You can't even do it without the accent. Try it. Doesn't sound right. So I look at them, and I'm like, say hello to my little friend, right? And I squirt them. Well, I didn't calculate that there was five more water guns, and there's way more of them than they were of me. 
Goodness, man. And I'm the type of guy, I don't care. I'm going to jump in and cannonball you. Just, just wipe it out of your eyes. I'm going to push you off the pool. It's going to be fun. Now we're all going to do that safe. But that's the kind of uncle that I am. No applause needed. I just, that's just my. So, but I said that, and the next thing I know, they're like, okay, let's get Uncle Matt, man. And they just take me to the cleaners, man. They hit me so much with gun, water gun after water gun. I'm like wiping my eyes, waters in my mouth and in my nose, you know. I'm just looking for the end of the pool. And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, in Christ Jesus, whenever life seems like that, whenever life seems like that, we have health issues that we didn't ask for. And it's like those five or six water guns hitting you all of a sudden. And those kids that were laughing and playing, sometimes that's what feels, life feels like, that it's just laughing at you as you walk through these hard times. It's like the evil one is there and doing that. Maybe it's with finances. Maybe it's you're, you're trying to walk for God the best you can, young people, and that temptation just bombards you, bombards you, and you're trying to turn your face, you're trying to turn your ears, and you don't know what to do, and you feel like that moment. Well, how many of us know that through Jesus Christ we can experience that freedom, right? Yes, our face have been unveiled. We know that our eyes have been open and the battle is not over. Just because I feel like it in that moment and I overwhelm does not mean I have to succumb to that moment. I do not have to bow knee to that moment. Instead, I can bow to Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, I sound like I'm 13. All right, we're going to have some fun. But we know that. Billy Graham was, uh, of course, we know him as America's pastor. And he said these four brief things about uh, freedom I thought was interesting. We're looking, of course, from the Christian perspective. He said, people, are search- people have been searching for thousands of years for freedom. That's, that's so true. Free- freedom is something that is, we're long for, that we desire. If we read, the, of course, our Bible, we know throughout history of the Bible, we see that throughout the stories. But if you open up a textbook, you see the same thing, that people desire freedom. And not just the people who lead the country, but it's the common people. It is the boots on the ground, men and women who want to run their own life, right? And I know we need to do that through Jesus Christ, but we need to make some decisions without an oligarchy above us. And another one that he said is God's answer to our loss of freedom has always been Jesus Christ. We've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again. That's the reason why we cannot unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. There is a big giant neon sign as we read the Old Testament that points to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It shows us that he is who he said he is. It proves to us that he is who he says he is. And we see that throughout history that the answer to true freedom has always been Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, another one he has, Jesus came to free us from death, sin, and anything that enslaves us. Uh, our, our freedom in Jesus Christ is not a ticket punch to heaven. That's not what it is. It's not fire insurance. It's not just for my best life now, if you will. What it is, is it's freedom from those things that try to entangle us and ensnare us and take our life away from us and make our lives pointless and, useful and, and non-useful. Instead... The liberation and the freedom in Jesus Christ is so that we can walk in a way that he's called us to walk. We can be where he's called us to be and do what he's called us to do, which will, by the way, blow your mind and surpass your expectations. Many times you will look back and wonder, how did I get to this spot? Well, the glorious grace of Jesus Christ because of freedom in him. And finally, Billy Graham sums it up with this. God gives us the freedom to choose our own path. And he certainly does. God's not going to force us into anything. It's us submitting our life. And the hard question then becomes, well, how do I know that I'm saved? We get this question all the time. And it's really simple, more simple than we think. Does your life mirror Jesus Christ? 
Does your life mirror the teachings of Jesus Christ? If you say, well, I don't know, well, I'm going to say read the Bible and start finding out because it's in there. Or come to church and be a part of that. And as you learn, let your life mirror that and mimic that. I mean, it's not any more complicated than that. But we have to choose a path or at a fork in the road, either Jesus Christ or the culture and the world. And we have to choose it. And I think Billy Graham was wise in that, don't you? Can I get an amen out of that? I think he was really wise. But knowing that there is a true freedom that we can experience, and we know that we experience it through Christ Jesus, what are some false freedoms that we can walk in? And we see this throughout history, so let's take a, take a little physical tour here, of an earthly tour, a worldly tour, however you want to put it. And as a teacher, I was not a professor at a university, but uh, as studying different governments and history and world history, I found out that many of the corrupt leaders out there, they were walking in a false freedom. They were really serving the man who was serving himself. Or they were serving evil spirits who served Satan. That's what happened. And just because... because a false sense of freedom gives you this false sense of power. Just because you have the ability to make decisions here on earth that can change people's life or cause death or imprison doesn't mean you're walking in freedom. Doesn't mean you're walking in power. You're walking in that false sense of that stuff. Because true power does not destroy. It builds up. True power does not tell a lie. It tells the truth. True power does not go to the right or to the left. But true power goes straight down the middle. They find that plumb line. Amen? And if we see these different corrupt governments and we take that from, from the neo-Nazi Hitler regime to, to pre-World War I and World War II, um, and then you move into the Korean conflict and Vietnam, and well, we didn't win Vietnam. Listen, guys, we contain communism, and communism is not something we want in our country, and it's not something that we want to spread. Then you move on and we forget sometimes about Desert Storm in Afghanistan and the regimes that America is putting to sleep and putting a hold on keeping that stuff from spreading and while they're over there liberating some people in those countries, having, letting babies have destiny that would have never had it before. And all those men and women who are caught up in those corrupt systems think they have freedom. And all they're doing is serving the person above them who serves the person above them who ultimately... Anytime you're in that, serve Satan. See, the leaders of the law, last week we talked about it. That's the reason why Christ was able to look at them and said, your father's the devil. Because these leaders of the law used God's law and turned it to their benefit. It was no longer about being close to God and doing what he asked. It was to promote themselves and put them in a position that was unattainable, unreachable. Pastor, it sounds like communism and socialism to me. And whenever you're appointed to those positions, and that, that's how that worked. And if we look at the biblical lines of that, that is not true freedom. They thought they were walking in true freedom because the God of the world had blinded their eyes. That's right. And here in a second, when we talk about that in Luke 4, it'll make more and more sense. Here's some false freedoms that we walk in. In our country, in our world, we see this false freedom out there, this ability to make the decision that there is no need for God. We have this sense, not that we don't need to serve God, but now it's that there is no God, or we don't need God, we can do all this by ourselves. Yes, you absolutely have the choice and the freedom to walk in that, but that is the absolute worst decision you can make because now you're looking to man's standards to be the plumb line, and they're shifting sand. But the plumb line, Jesus Christ, stays steady. He's been steady, he always will be steady, and he's steady today. So this no need for a God is just this false sense of freedom. As a Christian, we can think my plans are greater than God's plans. God's called us to do something and we're walking in it. Then all of a sudden, the plan becomes the God. 
The position becomes the God. The title becomes the God. No doubt God's led you to that. But we get our eyes set on that and we think, well, I can just continue to work for God and we become blinded by our own ambitions. And that's a false sense of freedom that we have. Another false sense of freedom is with this attitude issue that we have, that I can have whatever attitude I want. I can, I can treat my elders however I want to be, however I want to treat them. I can say to them whatever I want to say to them. I can have this attitude that, of entitlement. I can have this attitude that I want to be in today and be out tomorrow. I can have these, all these attitudes that ruin, that do not build up. And you, that's true, you can have that attitude. <laughs> it's not going to work in your favor in the long run. But the problem with it is in that moment, it makes you feel powerful. It's that false sense of freedom. Because freedom empowers. We also have the freedom to take and not give. This false sense that I'm going to go out and take it and, and get it any way that I can. And we see this through a ver ver uh, various um, jobs and different things like that. It doesn't matter who I have to step on or what I have to do to get to the next rung and climb the ladder. Because I have the freedom to do that. I have the freedom to, to tear down and to say lies. And that's absolutely true. We do have those freedoms, but that is a false sense of freedom. You will feel empowered at the moment, but it will not take you where you want you, where you want to go. You will not have the character to sustain yourself in that position and then it just becomes more lives more death more destruction and you look back and that's all you see behind you but in the moment we can feel powerful we false sense of freedom and that false sense of freedom to quit i think this plagues our generation just tired we just quit doesn't matter whether god's called it to us or not and what we do is we lean in on grace and, well, God will understand. No, if God's called you to do it, he's given you the grace to make it through it. So we're going to bat down the hatches, so to speak, right? We're going to do what we need to do, dig our heels into the ground and say, God, you've called me to this assignment. Until this assignment's over, I will not quit. I'm not just going to say, God, you'll understand, it'll be okay, and take grace flippantly. Grace is not meant to be flippant. It's a thing that we hold sacred that I was once a sinner in Christ Jesus came into my life undeservingly, and I am down here, and he is up here, and he has shed his blood for me. His grace pours our life is sacred. I don't just quit when I want to. And he shares that even in scriptures. I'm going to try to save my voice. So some things that we see here in Luke chapter 18, verses 19. If you guys would read with me, I'm going to give you a minute to turn there. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, just to kind of catch up on the history as you turn there. It'll be on the screen behind me. He, after he reads this, he sits down, then he begins to teach them. And he talks to them about a widow and a leper, both Gentiles. And as he was speaking to the Jewish people of the day in the synagogue and he was trying to tell them that listen if y'all don't receive me then the Gentiles will and I'm going to go to them the favor of God will pass over you and go to them and they could not comprehend why in the world the God that they serve would not choose them well it goes back to those false sense of freedoms it goes back to some degree to that entitlement while I was born into it. Well, listen, God doesn't care for born into it. He wants a heart that's dedicated to him. That's what he wants. So Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he goes into the synagogue as was his custom, is what scripture says. 
Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set a liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he stops there. And the rest of that, now this was, a, this was from Isaiah 61, and he stops in those two verses. And if you continue to read Isaiah 61, you'll note really quickly that that is for the coming Lord. That was, Jesus came that all might come unto God the Father. That's what Jesus was here for, to, to, to do these things that he just said. Now let's take this scripture and let's begin to piece it apart. And the first thing that I see as I look at this, the marks of true freedom. So if you're taking notes, t- just title this section of your notes, The Marks of True Freedom. If you're really walking in the true freedom of Jesus Christ, and you've ever questioned that, he clears it up for us in this section. The first thing that I see is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, do not look into this text. Let me guard your hearts for a second as your pastor, as a pastor. Guard your hearts. Do not look into this text and see yourself. This is about Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. He came, and when he said on the cross, it is finished, that's what he meant. It was fulfilled through him. Now that he lives in our hearts and in our lives, now I can do those things. What we tend to do is acknowledge Christ, and we may accept him, but for some reason he gets pushed to the side, and all of a sudden I have this anointing. No, it's not separate. The reason why we are anointed, the reason why we have the Spirit of God, the reason why we have the ability to set liberty to the captives and freedom is because Jesus Christ is alive on our hearts. Amen? In our hearts. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So we have to be open to the Holy Spirit. We see in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is, is, is getting baptized. And we see the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. Then we see in Acts 2 where the apostles are, are filled with the Holy Spirit, the 120. There was a physical act that happened. And I know that upon salvation, we, we can't separate. The Spirit of God draws us uh, to him. But we must believe that there is a, a Spirit of God that wants to baptize us. John said, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. Uh, there, there's, a second, there's a separate thing that happens in our life and in our heart. In Psalms 22 and 3, it says that he inhabits the praise of his people. See, worship is, is critical to the way that we move in the Holy Spirit because God's presence is here. In John 4 and 24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And he's talking to us about this reality that we must be hungry for the Spirit of God, for the Holy Spirit to baptize us, that we should not be ashamed of the, of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and when they work in our lives. We should not be ashamed or scared of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Instead, we should hunger for them. God, let them work. And if we've ever been in a time in our life and in our world where I need a word from God and I understand that it's encapsulated in the Bible, it's canonized there, but the Holy Spirit can quicken our spirit and speak to us and I can go back to the word and check it and know that it's real but I have to believe that when I lay on hands of people and pray for them that they can be healed that whenever I go and I witness to people that the spirit of God is working on my behalf to open up doors of their heart before I ever get there that it's something supernatural that I cannot explain and it's something that we must be hungry for this is Jesus Christ declaring that the spirit of God is on him if he needs the spirit of God being the son of God I must desire it amen Amen. Amen. Sorry for yelling. We must be open. So, footnote or 
Cliff note, must be open to the Holy Spirit. We have to, have to be honestly in that personal spot where it's not just a verbal thing. It's not just something we say. It's, as I went back and I read that passage in Luke 4 then, I read chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, going to Luke, and everything that he does in here, he then goes out and teaches it and does it. <laughs> he sets captive free and liberates people and opens up the eyes of the blind. I mean, it's really neat. After he declares this is what he's going to do, he goes out and does it, and it's a very personal thing. He doesn't just speak it. It's what we become. It's our lifestyle. And in our corporate meetings that we call church and, or maybe in our small groups or in our classrooms, whenever we rely on the Holy Spirit, whenever we rely on the Holy Spirit, then what it does is it opens up doors that we cannot see. And it's not just, it's not just a personal thing, but as a church, and, and to, to Cliff note it here, it does matter if you shake hands and do it with a great attitude or hug a neck. It does matter to welcome somebody into our classroom or to welcome somebody into your home. Those things do matter because we're trying to walk in the Spirit. Quickly here, here's six things of why we need to walk in the Spirit. Six things. The Holy Spirit comforts us. So we can also rely on that. We should be comforting to people. Now I realize that people understanding that they're sinners and dying going to hell is not very comforting. <laughs> But it is comforting whenever we know that we've received Jesus Christ and now we get to go and live with him for eternity. Amen. The Spirit teaches us. We should be teaching people. The Spirit changes us. Every day we change because we think more and more like God. Amen. And the Spirit, we should be changing people around us. The Spirit liberates and empowers. The Spirit sends liberation or, or liberty. What is liberty? It's the ability to use freedom where you don't infringe on somebody else's freedom. That's what liberty is. But it empowers us. And number five, it unifies us. If we've ever had a reason to be unified. There's so many things I see in the church right now that grieves my heart. People preaching entire messages over stuff that does nothing more than divides churches. People that listen to that stuff, man, they're so much more confused than they ever were when they started. And then they see churches arguing and fighting. And guess what? They don't want any part of that. There's some stuff that is, it, nobody can prove. It's, it's thought or theology, right? It, but we do know that Jesus Christ is the standard. And I think if we just preach more of that, we'd be better off. The Spirit prays for us, so we should pray for other people. Here, God continues in point number two. I'm going to hurry. Point number two is the anointing of God. Jesus says, because he anointed me. This is, this is God's stamp of approval, that you are called to do what you're called to do. For the gifts and the callings are without repentance, Romans 11 and 29. Now listen to me, young people, listen to me, especially here. You can walk in your calling and not walk in the anointing. Samson is a great example of that, and we talked a little bit about camp. But Jonah is also a great example of that. He was called to preach. Not a whole lot of preaching going on when you're in the belly of the well. It's hard to be able to kill Philistines when you're sleeping, one with, when you're sleeping with one out of wedding lock like Samson was. But the calling was never removed. But Samson did lose his strength. And it wasn't until... Jonah repented, I think I said Noah, sorry, until Jonah repented, got out of, was spit up by the well and went into Nineveh and declared the salvation of the Lord. 
So sometimes we can walk, but that approval is something that we should long for. 1 John 1 and 27. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. So that anointing will open up that, that, that circuit, for lack of a better word, inside you to really understand the word of God. Because he has anointed you for your specific calling, so you have got ways that you need to communicate. And he can open those ways up to you so you can be the most effective that lives can be changed. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, about everything, we don't have to wonder because he can teach us about everything if we'll receive it. And sometimes, young people, that comes through your elders. Sometimes we learn things through people who's been around for a while. That's the reason why attitude matters. Because it's not that they want to stun our growth. Instead, they want to say, listen, I can get you light years ahead of where you are if you'll just listen but with that attitude I can't talk to you can I get an amen from everybody okay it's a side I'll get off my soapbox that's a side note but his anointing teaches you about everything and it's true and and is no lie just as just as it has taught you to abide in him so we go back what does the anointing do the anointing teaches me to abide in Christ and if I want to truly walk in the anointing of Christ, I preach Christ, I teach Christ, I love Christ, I eat Christ, I, you know what I mean? I breathe Christ. That's how the anointing of God, I don't have to look for some mystical thing to fall on me that I'm on my knees and all of a sudden something comes enlightenment or, or, or some weird angel or something like that. I don't have to look for that. Instead, Jesus was the anointed one. And the more of him that I have in my life, the more of the anointing that I have in my life. And the anointing breaks the yokes. That's how we can see people saved and lives put back together. It's not because I have this 12-step program, although they're good, but I have one step, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the more, the more we feast at his table, the more that anointing that we have. But I cannot divide myself from that and say I'm anointed to preach, but man, I never read or pray. Good Lord. We, we can't do that. The third thing that I see here is the proclamation of the good news to proclaim the good news to the poor. A mark of living in true freedom is that what we proclaim is the good news. That's the story of Jesus Christ that he came to the world to set us free. And it's to the poor. Now in our culture today we have other subcultures rising up that has taken good things and turned them bad. They have taken like this situation of saying poor. Well, he means rich and poor. Now, that's not what Christ is talking about here. He's talking about poor in spirit, those men and women and teenagers or whoever it might be that is saying, I, there is a God and I need him. I'm not where I need to be and I need help to proclaim good news to the poor. See, that's the problem. And, and, and forgive me, uh, I don't mean to come off too harsh, but forgive me. But that's the reason why we cannot pay attention or preach from our pulpits about the woke culture, about Black Lives Matter, about pro-choice or gangs or any kind of white supremacy or any other supremacy for that fact. Because all of those take one good thing and they spin it around and they create a culture off of it. And if you do your research, you'll see Marxism and communism and things like that in these. And that's not what Christ came to preach. He came to preach deliverance to the poor, the man or woman who would bow their knee and say, I know that I need you. Of course, do we want our culture woken up? Yes. Yes, I, I don't want our eyes to be blind to injustices and things like that. Absolutely. Do, do black lives matter? Yes, black lives matter. So do white lives and, and Native American lives and Alaskan lives and Asian lives and Japanese lives and Russian lives. But, but we take it and we spin it and we run with it. 
Yeah, I want women to have choice. It is your body. But when we're talking about destructing a human and taking the life, you can't build a culture around that. Yeah, we want people to have brotherhood. That's the thing that attracts the young and men and women to gangs. Because there's a brotherhood they've been rejected probably, as we talked about two weeks, probably by their father. And now they're looking for that acceptance. And then we get into supremacy. Of course, we want you to be proud of being white. Be proud of being black. Be proud of being Native American. Be proud of being Alaskan. But what it is, I can't be so proud that that becomes the elite mentality. That's not what Jesus is preaching. We cannot preach that. Jesus is preaching that I've come to deliver the good news to anyone who is poor in spirit. But we have to get to that point where we say, Christ, I need you. It doesn't matter my ethnicity or my demographic or my, demographic or my social status. Or am I in that place? And true freedom preaches that. True freedom doesn't build up fences. True freedom breaks that down. So we have to have the proclamation of the good news. Because, see, the good news, what it does provide with us is hope from sin and bondage. It doesn't matter where you come from. I know your grandmama did it and your mama did it and maybe your sister does it, but you don't have to do it. I know that your uncle did it and your granddaddy and your great-granddaddy and your daddy did it, but, but, but according to this, that if anybody who is poor in spirit, they can receive the good news. And that's what liberates and walks in true freedom. And now all of a sudden we see that generational curses are broken. That we see alcohol and drug abuse disappear. We see hope for victims of abuse. We don't want to turn a blind eye to that. And then all the begin we see, all of a sudden we begin to see freedom really move. Because it's encapsulated in the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. But we go on and we continue to read as he reads his discourse out of Isaiah and he tells them that it's fulfilled today. The fourth thing is to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty, understanding that liberty is being able to walk in freedom without taking somebody else's freedom. See, he would have been talking and Isaiah would have been talking and people would have known about the Babylonian captivity and they would have understood that. that. So in Isaiah, that's what he's talking about. Here in Luke, he's obviously talking about captive by sin. And what our culture doesn't understand because the God of the world has blinded the eyes is that people are held captive in sin. The captivity means I see no way of escape. And this is the thing about captivity. We have another false sense of freedom. I get out of captivity just to step back into captivity. And this is what I mean by this. We see this throughout world culture. People are liberated from something. But that's not true liberty. Liberty is I step out of captivity and then I don't step back into a position where I can hold others captive. True liberty and captivity is meaning I have been set free, I have been delivered, now I'm going to do everything that I can to liberate and bring freedom to that other person. So listen to me, whenever we harbor unforgiveness in our heart to somebody, what we've done is, yeah, we might have gotten past it, but now we're holding somebody else captive. That's not operating in true liberty. True liberty is I've arrived at the stage of forgiveness. I see that people are, in, are, are not perfect, and I was not perfect and still am not perfect. And Jesus Christ loves me, and he doesn't hold me captive. The only thing that Christ holds us captive by is his love for us. We still have the choice. But here, he said, I've, I've, I've come to send liberty to the captives. 
We no longer have to harbor those type of things. We no longer have to harbor that or, or think that it's some kind of cycle that we just step in and step out of and step in and step out of. No, it's true liberty. I can experience freedom and then be able to operate in that freedom where it just gives more freedom. Amen? He goes on, number five, recovering of the sight to the blind. And we know that this has everything to do with miraculous works he performed too. He goes on and he does the things that he says that he's going to do. Once again, we go back to having that spirit operate in our life that we believe that God can do amazing things spiritually that we cannot comprehend. But it also has to go back and saying, listen, we're going to allow the blind to see. He's going to open the spiritual eyes of people into a new thing. Now, this is what happens to us as people. We have the salvation experience and we say that God has opened our eyes but realizing that God is a living God the Bible is a living word the Holy Spirit is living within our hearts so there's areas in my life that he's going to bring me to that I have a blind spot for and I have to be willing to give that blind spot to him I have to be willing to get to that place where God I was blinded in this area and I did not know this was a prejudice I did not know this was something that was keeping me in unforgiveness. I didn't know that this was something that was keeping me from completely honoring you like I need to. And whenever he brings that to our attention and shows us that we've been blind, we cannot act like we're in a scary movie. How many of you guys have ever acted like you've been in a scary movie and you covered your eyes? But life can be like that. God reveals something to us, and because we're scared and we're fearful... God, I don't want to see. I'm going to act like it's not there. Would you please deal with me in another area? But this is the thing. He can't deal with you in the other area until he deals with you in this area. So he's taking you to a place, opening up our eyes, opening up my eyes, so he can get us to the next area and to the next area and to the next area. And the good news about this is this. Our strength and our courage gains with every time. Amen? For some of you more mature believers, whenever God took you to a place that was scary because you were really finding out who you are, then he showed you what you changed, your eyes opened, you went to the next spot. Then you went to the next spot. And an old song, and I don't know if any of the young people know it, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Amen? And you go on that journey and you look back. But it's the recovering of the sight of the blind. It's he's bringing that sight. True marks of true freedom is we're not afraid to go to those areas that we're blinded and saying, God, correct. I want 20-20 vision. Amen. I want 20-20 vision. He goes on and he says to set at liberty, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Remember, oppression comes in many, many different forms, but we ultimately know they may come from a group or a person. Um, many of the people up underneath the Jewish law, they were being oppressed by these teachers. They knew things, that, and they were educated in a way that the, the common man was not, and they constantly put oppression on them. And what oppression does is it leads to that cycle of failure. It seems to never end. We have to go back and see where the, the Spirit of God breaks yokes, and we know that. So we go back and we say, listen, I understand that I'm dealing with things now. Let's get really, really real. I'm dealing with things now that maybe my dad did or my mom did that I had no control over, and now I'm having to deal with that. And I feel the oppression from that. I feel the pressure from that. But that does not mean I have to pass that down to the next line and to the je next generation. I I can break free from those shackles and from those chains because Christ came to give me liberty in those oppressed areas. So it doesn't matter what generations did before me. It matters what I do right now. And that's the great message of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what freedom is. Freedom to choose what I do today. 
what can I do today? We want to set those who are liberty. So does our conversation, do, do the way that we teach and we speak and we love, does it, does it bring people into captivity? Does it cover up the good news? Does it make people feel more oppressed or does it liberate them? And they look at you after a conversation and say, you know what, Galen, I think I can do this. I think there's been some stuff that's been in the Word that you've showed me that I can do this. Because that's what the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ does. If true freedom is not only freedom that I get to experience, but freedom that we freely give. Amen. And the final thing here that we're getting to as we land the bird is proclaim, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As, he, as we read all this, does your message, does your lifestyle really proclaim that God can save anybody? And this is what I want to ask some theologies and denominations all across the world. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He didn't come for a certain group of people. He came for all people. He came for the whosoevers of the world. But does my lifestyle preach that? Because I know that I can come in here and shake hands and love on people and do all that other stuff. And then when I go home, if I treat my family bad, it's not working. Or if I go home and love on my family, then I come up here and treat everybody bad. <laughs> There's a disconnect in there. That's not preaching and living a lifestyle of salvation, of not judging people as they walk through. That's not our position. That's not our job. Our job is to work up under the anointing and the calling of Jesus Christ for our life. And he said he came to set free the captive. He came to, gave hope, to give hope. And that's what salvation is, is that simple thing of hope. That I do not have to stay where I'm at. But I have to choose if I don't want to stay where I'm at. Then I've got to choose Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. In a staff meeting. How many of you guys have noticed our new sign on the church over here. The big ray of hope. Can you give Pastor Mike a big round of applause for that? Yeah. That was his leading and his inspiration. And I thought it was great. And Waylon and the staff and all of us got out here on the, on the, on the gravel road. And we looked up and we decided what was the first word of that. And it was hope. Truly making that decision that in every facet of our life, especially here at church, it doesn't matter the meeting that we're into, whether we're leading worship or preaching, do we preach hope? Because that's really when it all boils down and when it flatlines it, that's what it's about. The Lord's favor is that he has chosen us to walk with Jesus Christ. Not to be Jesus Christ. We're not little gods, amen? That's not, that's not what this thing's about. What it's about is seeing the freedom that we get to, we, we realize through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And it gives us hope, not only to be able to walk in that freedom, but to be able to spread that freedom. But we have to be in that position that we're so willing to say, God, what do you need to take out? What are some areas in my life that I've been blinded in? What are some things that maybe you need to change? And we do it with hearts of joy, not hearts of fear. Because we're going to a God who wants more than anything that all men come unto him. And he wants to unlock that next thing and that next thing and that next thing so we can get to where he wants us to be. And use us in the way that he sees fit. And we can do that. But we have to ask ourselves, are we truly preaching liberty? And I appreciate what July 4th means, and I appreciate our nation, and I appreciate all the sacrifice more than people realize, and I know that you do too. And appreciate is not even a great word when you're talking about greater love hath no man that he would lay down his life for his friend. And we see that with our troops and different things like that. And I appreciate that, and I'm so grateful for it. But what Jesus Christ accomplished at the cross of Calvary was not for a nation. It was not for a people. It was not for just these people who speak this way or these people who look like 
like that. It was that the whole world might come unto him. It was world liberation, world freedom. And that's what we get to celebrate this morning. And if you're like me, sometimes that can be kind of scary. Because we live in a culture that opposes you from many different fronts. And would suggest that if you don't believe this way and think this way, then you're, maybe you're really not as American as you think you are. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't push us and help us on this, maybe you really don't like this group of people like you say that you do. Because we as Christians have to step back and say, no, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that takes a lot of guts in our culture today. But we can do it. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.